Shalom, and welcome to In the Beginning. My name is Shmuel Bowman, and I am a Torah scribe. Tonight is Erev Purim. It's March 16th, 2022. And tomorrow, Thursday, March 17th, is the festival of Purim. We just read Megillah. We read the scroll of Esther. Gavriel did a fabulous job. And we did it in our dining room with friends. And now Yoav is um, having a barbecue with his buddies. It's a time when I thought I'd sneak away, get up to the microphone. I really wanted to get back to the uh, podcast in the beginning, having taken uh, a little bit of a break. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great to get it going again now for Purim? And I had it in my heart to speak about this interesting anomaly of, uh, in the scroll of Esther, you've got some large letters and you've got some small letters. It's like as if something is calling out to us, uh, wanting us to look into it deeper. And then I thought, wait a second, didn't I speak about this last year? And in fact, I did. And I was wondering, hmm, is it okay to replay uh, a podcast from a year ago? And sure enough, it turns out that a lot of podcasters do this. And I've been listening to a lot of podcasters doing exactly the same thing. So I figure it's okay. Plus, I think there's some really cool ideas there that I wanted to share with you. I also am very aware of the fact that since a year ago, the number of listeners has doubled on this podcast, which I have to tell you, I'm surprised, I'm humbled, and I'm grateful. Thank you so much for all of you who've joined this past year. And to all of, all of you, those of you who've been around for the past three seasons, and for those who've just joined, welcome to In the Beginning. And I hope that there's uh, uh, some ideas here that are new and fresh and, and stimulating and energizing, and I'd love to hear back with your comments. And so without any further ado, here is... Purim, season three, but really season two. Happy Purim. Hey, 
Tonight begins the festival of Purim, and it continues into tomorrow, Friday, the 26th of February. This is a festival for every interest. I mean, you've got pageantry, drama, comedy. You've got codes. You've got conspiracy theories. For example, is there a connection between one of the leading Nazi war criminals and the Purim story? We're going to look at that right after this message. Would you like to have your favorite Bible verse as it was originally written or give someone you love a special gift? Shmuel will create a Hebrew verse of your choice on parchment in the traditional Torah scribal form. The parchment is framed by an original design paper cut depicting the unforgettable Jerusalem skyline. The paper cut is available in three beautiful colors, midnight blue, burgundy wine, and desert beige. Please visit our website, www.sacredscrolls.net. Okay, so over the years, I have received all sorts of questions regarding Purim, uh, regarding the Megillat Esther, the Scroll of Esther, and I've, I always enjoy receiving these questions, and I always love answering these questions. One of the questions that has come up over the years is regarding the number 578. 5,707, and whether or not this number, 5,707, actually appears in the Megillah Esther, in the Scroll of Esther. So I just want to address this and be very, very clear, and that is that the number 5,707 does not appear in the Scroll of Esther. However, my answer is not that simple. You see, the 22 Hebrew letters plus an additional five word and letter forms, correspond to numeric values. For example, Aleph equals one, Bet equals two, Gimel equals three. Moving along to other uh, letters, the Yud equals 10. Even further on, Lamed equals 30, Kuf equals 100, Taf equals 400. If you want to take a look at the Hebrew Aleph bit, the alphabet, uh, for yourself, you can go over to my website at sacredscrolls.net, click on the resources tab, and you'll see a, um, a download called the Aleph Bet, the Hebrew alphabet, and you can take a look at the Hebrew letters. The concept of gematria is a mystical Torah wisdom that finds meaning between letters when they share the numeric value with other letters. Gematria also gives importance to certain numeric values when the word spelled is meaningful. For example, the word for life, which is a supreme concept in Judaism, is chai. And chai is spelled chet and yud, which is 8 plus 10 equals 18. Therefore, the number 18 is a very good number for Jews and is equated with life. Okay, throughout the Torah and Tanakh, In other words, the Torah, the Book of the Prophets, and writings. There are letter sizes that are traditionally written proportionally in a larger or smaller sizes compared with the standard character size of the majority of the letters. This is an ancient custom among Torah scribes, myself included. And of course, there are deep insights as to the reasons for the character sizes. It's as if the Torah scribe, the Sofer, calls out to the reader, hey, pay attention here. There's something even more profound going on in this word or these words. 
Rabbis have discussed the hidden messages of these smaller and larger letter phenomena throughout the centuries. In the Scroll of Esther, there are numerous cases of disproportional letters, and this draws the attention of scholars. The ten sons of Haman, or Haman, are hanged, and their names are listed. There are three small letters and one large among the sons' names. One interpretation, a 20th century insight, is that the disproportional sized letters add up to 707, which in the Gregorian calendar is the year 1946. Now, on October 16th, 1946, the top 10 Nazi war criminals were hanged from the first Nuremberg trial. Julius Streicher, a very theatrical personality who founded and published the Nazi propaganda newspaper Der Sturmer, was among the men sentenced to death. Streicher studied Jewish sources and often misquoted Torah passages in order to incite anti-Semitism in his newspaper. Streicher's was the most melodramatic of the hangings carried out that morning. At the bottom of the scaffold, he cried out, Heil Hitler! When he mounted the platform, he delivered his last reference to Jewish scripture, shouting, Purim Fest, 1946. I am certain that Streicher had not studied the scroll of Esther in depth enough to give meaning to the disproportional letters in the names of Haman's ten sons. However, his statement about Purim, the fact that ten Nazis were hanged, there were to be eleven, however one committed suicide before his execution, and that it was 1946, which does correspond to the Hebrew calendar date 5707, all lead to very interesting possibilities. Another interesting tie-in is that the scroll of Esther records that the bodies of the ten sons of Haman were hanged twice. Is it possible that the repeated hanging is a hint to the ten Nazis 2,400 years after the original Purim story? Possibly. However, there are many Purim-like events throughout Jewish history which would also claim the second hanging scenario. So I must be clear that along with the Streicher interpretation of the disproportional letters in Haman's ten sons' names, there are many other ideas which predate the Nuremberg event, and those interpretations share equal importance to 5707. For example, the first small letter is the letter Tuf, which equals 400. According to ancient Torah tradition, there were 400 types of Tumah, These are properties of spiritual impurity in the world. The rabbis concluded that the execution of Haman's sons reduced the amount of Tuma in the world. Thus, the Tav is reduced. Like most deep Torah concepts, there are many understandings of the scroll of Esther and the reference to the ten sons of Haman. I like the Streicher reference. However, I am not convinced that it validates anything significant about a prophetic statement from the days of Queen Esther. My biggest reason for this conclusion is that God has the greatest wisdom, and our attempt to be definitive about the manifestation of a prophecy or hidden meaning of letters is likely to miss the bigger picture. I think that finding meaning in codes and clues is wonderful. It keeps us engaged and interested in the unraveling of God's plan. So I find the Streicher example an acceptable theory. However, I am wary to fix a particular moment in modern history, or in the case of Bible codes, a recent scientific discovery, as the only proof for God's absolute wisdom and glory.
please join me every week for new ideas and uh, let's share these secrets together. Shalom. I'm Shmuel Bowman. Beginning is produced by Sacred Scrolls. You can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or Amazon Music. If you have any questions or comments, please be in touch through our website at sacredscrolls.net. Thank you for listening.